Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 6.5% was it? Is, is that what the current odds are of the Stanley Cup? Well, and you, if you look at the round-by-round round progression, the Stanley Cup favorite is uh-huh. the Vancouver Canucks. Like, what a time to be alive. I- Talking you through every goalie controversy, scoring slump, and draft lottery bust, this is the C4 Podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Here they are, the best starting lineup we could afford under the salary cap. Chris, Matt, Anna, and Adam. Welcome to another episode of the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, brought to you by CanucksHockeyBlog.com and the Full Press Coverage Network. I am Chris at Lightforce, joined virtually as always by Anna Forsyth at A4Scythe03. Anna, obviously the brains of the operation. How you doing there, Anna? I'm good. I'm hot. It's hot here. I don't you like this. Uh, I know. Thanks. I mean, I'm going to have to contact HR again, which is you, so that's problematic. Yeah. It is so problematic. Hi, Anna's mom. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Mom. Yeah, you know, we, uh, we're we joined with uh, special guest uh, Darren Brown from the Sound of Hockey podcast, who's probably already regretting actually saying yes to this uh, this invitation. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at DarrenFunBrown, and as well, soundofhockey.com. Welcome, Darren. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I do feel quite uncomfortable based on that initial interaction, but I'm happy to be here cool. nonetheless. Um, just keep your advances, you know, to each other. Don't keep them to me and we're, we're good. But um, no, I really appreciate you all having me on. I've, I've been sick for a couple of days. We were supposed to record this a couple of days ago and you were very flexible in rescheduling. So I really, really appreciate it. And sorry for the last minute bail a couple of days ago, but really appreciate it. Well, well, no problem. I mean, uh, the fact that you were even going to try to actually record is, is next level commitment. Uh, I was actually I, I, at I the computer. Where I'm sitting right now, I was at the computer, like trying to log in and I was like, I can't do it. I just cannot do it. And I had to, I had to exit the desk very, very quickly. That's all I'm going to say, but we'll <laughs> leave that to the listener's imagination. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Pleasure. All right. So now we have to involve HR again, but yeah, right. don't worry. It's me. We're here yeah. and uh, it's all clear. All right. Cool. Um, 
But uh, no, you're uh, you're joining us to talk a little bit about uh, the fact that uh, you are one of these many Seattle Kraken fans that uh, haven't always been Seattle Kraken fans, and it seems that you all got together and decided to fire up a blog and a podcast. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Obviously, we're going to get into the Seattle Kraken and their uh, fortuitous uh, uh, development as an expansion team, which in the modern era means you get to go to the Stanley Cup playoffs in your first season. Yeah, um, yeah, not Guaranteed. like the old era where it takes forever. Um, but before we, we do all of that, I, I already told you I was going to ask this question. Why are you Darren fun Brown? Cause like, is there unfun Browns out there and you're just trying to differentiate? Like what's the story between your Twitter handle? Not that I know of, uh, but the story, it, it actually goes back to like junior high, high school kind of a thing. Actually, I don't, do you guys call it junior high in Canada? What do you call it? I mean, I don't know Canadian high school either. So, okay. so the answer, the answer is depending on where you are. Yes. Okay. So junior high, high school, I, for, for some reason I used to put my middle initial, which is actually F, I would put that on all my like assignments in school. And for, I don't know where I came up with this, but I was kind of a class clown kind of a kid. And like, if anybody ever asked me what the F stood for, I always said it stood for fun. And when I was in high school, but I was also a good student, like I got pretty good grades. And, uh, when I was in high school, we had parent-teacher conferences. I always had good conferences because I was, like I said, I was a good student. I participated. I made a lot of jokes, but I participated. So the teachers usually liked me. There was one chemistry teacher who really did not like me. Uh, and it wasn't really my fault, but I had two friends that sat directly behind me and they would always talk to me. And so they'd talk the whole class. And the second that they talked to me, I'd turn around and say something back to them. And when I turned around, I'd get in trouble. And it was like every single day. And I wasn't even the one initiating it, right? But so on my conference slip, like you had to fill out like an evaluation before the conferences, I wrote that my name was Darren Fun Brown on the conference slip. And my dad came home from the conference and he was like, well, Darren Fun Brown, we're going to have to have a talk. And I was like, oh, (laughs) so that that nickname kind of stuck amongst like my family and my close friends over the years because that was like the only bad conference I ever had. And I was like, wow. It was because of the Darren Fun Brown that I'm in trouble. He's like, no, no, it's not that. It's much more. I'm like, oh, okay. So anyway, <laughs> that's where that originates from, and uh, so I've I've stuck with it all these years on the the old Twitter machine, which is a miserable place to be. Oh yeah. The uh, I was going to say that we used to have a co-host who had an F for a middle initial. Um, I actually don't know if it's legitimately. So some backstory here. Our listeners will know Adam Foc. Adam Ovenel Carter, F was the middle initial, uh, former host Matt Lee, used to introduce him. The F stands for Francis. Mm. Adam never corrected Matt, but the way Matt delivered it has me doubting it's Francis. I don't know. He has the most Irish name, so I am willing to bet that it is Francis. It sounds pretty Catholic. Well, and that's the thing. If it was anyone other than Matt yeah. constantly saying it, the F stands for Francis. I would not question this. It's just, it became such a thing. Like I don't go and, you know, introduce myself, you know, Christopher G golden, the G stands for Greg. Like it would you be true, introduce but- yourself as light force. I don't think you have a leg to stand on here. I'm the only sensible one. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you the story where light force came from. Okay. I think it has to do like, cause I'm old enough to remember like bulletin board days when you had to like dial in with this thing called a modem and it tied up a phone line. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not fun. I am far from fun. I'm the most unfun. <laughs> uh, anywho, uh, let's uh, let's get on the show. We'll uh, we'll dive in a rewind. Okay, so I, we alluded to it at the top of the show here, uh, uh, Darren. But uh, I understand 
You have not been a born and bred Seattle Kraken fan. Well, I don't think there are any unless they're under like two years old. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that would be kind of strange. Just like having a premonition that Seattle were going to get a team. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think if you if you were to define a like born and bred Kraken fan, the closest thing you would get is somebody who has lived here their whole life and been a hockey fan. But even in those cases, right, they've probably gotten allegiance for another team. You know, I I grew up in Minnesota and, um, you know, when I was a little kid, the North Stars existed and then they moved away when I was probably four or five years old. Um, and I do remember marching around the, uh, the house chanting Norm Green sucks, uh, cause he was the owner that moved them away. Uh, I think he might, is he still the owner of the Dallas? He was, he's still around with the stars. No, it's, uh, it's actually a, a, a developer hotel owner up in Vancouver. Oh, okay. Lost out on buying the Canucks, ended up buying the Dallas Stars. Got it. Okay. Um, I feel like I still hear his name every now and then. But anyway, uh, Minnesota fans didn't like him very much. But the point is, when I was growing up, you know, throughout my formative years, we didn't have an NHL hockey team. So even in Minnesota, you know, you kind of clamored for whatever you could find. Uh, For me, it was college hockey. So I followed the Minnesota Gophers really closely. But, you know, you'd, you'd just kind of like pick an NHL team. Like for some reason, I was kind of a fan of the Rangers because they'd had that 94 cup win. Um, and I thought that they were fun to watch. Listen, I, I didn't stick with it. Right. Okay. Eventually the Wild okay. showed up and I became a Wild fan. My point is, you know, you, you just kind of latch onto a team when you don't have a team in your market. And people don't necessarily understand how that is. But th- that is that is how it is, right? When you when you grow up in a place that you don't have uh, a team, you just find one to root for. You don't know anything else, right? So, so yeah, there aren't really born and bred fans, but I think that there are a lot of hockey fans here, especially with our proximity to Canada. And there's you know there's so many different um, teams up and down the coast here. And frankly, like there's a lot of people in Seattle now, and I've only lived here for five years, but there's a lot of people in Seattle now who have moved here from other places. So they probably bring some allegiances with them. That's just the nature of how this city is. Yeah. The uh, Minnesota wild uh, relationship. Um, who was their rival for you? Uh, well, it depends on the period of time. We really hated the Canucks actually for a while. Um, and that's sort of what I was getting to is that yeah. uh, this question comes up in our, within our listener community and in, in C4 discord, do the wild still consider the Canucks arrival? Yeah. And it's, that's more Canucks fans trying to suggest that it's the case. But. Well, I think I, it's more the idea that we don't think about Minnesota at all. Yeah, I was just going to say, do you, is the feeling mutual if I were to say yes? I would guess it's not. And I think nope. a big part of that is that the, the Northwest Division doesn't exist anymore, right? I mean, they used to play each other so much, mm-hmm. um, which they don't anymore. And they had some really intense battles in the in the playoffs. Um, in the Wild, when they were in those like first few years, they had some really like big, tough dudes that could really mix it up. That was like one of their few strengths at the time, aside from playing a neutral zone trap, right? So um, I mean, I, I, those games were physical, they were intense. There were always tons of fights. And, um, I mean, I, I think like looking back, you know, and I actually heard an interview the other day with Matt cook who played on both sides of that, that rivalry. And he was like, you know, there were guys on the wild when I was on the, uh, the Canucks that I was downright afraid of. Right. And that's Matt cook talking. So, um, you know, it, it just, it was a intense rivalry. I also, we've always really hated the avalanche too. And that rivalry kind of still stands, although the avalanche are so much better than Minnesota now. So it's kind of like, you know, that feels a little bit one-sided as well, but those games are always a uh, little bit hotly contested, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, during that era, 
if you were to ask a Canucks fan who the rival was, it would have been like Calgary or Edmonton, but to the point of, do they consider Vancouver a rival? No, Calgary and Edmonton, they're the geographic rivals that have existed forevermore. I mean, one might argue Toronto, Montreal, and Canada have had sort of the geography, mm-hmm. though when Quebec was there, I think it was Montreal, Quebec. Ottawa has never really played into the mix. So I, I just, when it comes to rivalry, I'm just so excited that there's now a team just south of us that when we can go and travel again, which may or may not be a possibility in the near future, will potentially be a, a regional rival. Lots of emotion and animosity as opposed to, you know, getting beaten by the Avs, how many ever seasons straight, getting beaten by the Blackhawks, how many ever seasons straight, getting yeah. beaten by the Kings. Like if there's the Vancouver Canucks uh, conundrum, it's they get beaten by teams and that's then the rival. And yeah. then we start counting like Boston. I mean, Boston we've won like, I don't know how many games sure of the Stanley that. Cup, you know, like game 11. Yeah. I think Canucks are ahead, but you yeah. know, <laughs> I don't think Boston's counting that series anymore. What are you talking yeah. about? They're not. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. But uh, growing up a wild fan, you find yourself into Seattle and I'm curious, like, how did you get connected with John and and Andy? And then like, how did, how did this come to be? Yeah. Good question. Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, I should share a little bit about the backstory of the the website and the podcast that we run. Um, So the website started with John who he's been on your podcast before. So if listeners are religious about listening to every episode. They've probably heard him. Uh, but John Barr, he was the, the kind of the grassroots leader of the movement to bring hockey to Seattle. Uh, and he was for a long time, he was running this blog, uh, just a kind of a basic WordPress blog uh, that was called NHL to Seattle. And he, you know, he got a pretty good following on it. And, and he really was, um, I always thought that his strength was just his ability to like bring people together and build a community out of something that, you know, he was like, he had this belief that there were hockey fans in Seattle, right? There's two WHL teams within half an hour in either direction and they fill the arenas, right? So clearly there's people here that are at least somewhat interested in hockey. Um, And so he, you know, but he just thought that, listen, there's all these people here that clearly like hockey, but there's no one getting them together. So he'd run like watch parties and things like that. When the city council had a vote on the, um, the arena, you know, he'd, he'd get people to show up in their hockey jerseys and, um, try to try to persuade the city council to vote in in honor or in, in favor of the arena and, um, just things like that. And so I always thought that his story was interesting. When I moved to Seattle, I kind of was aware of it. I had always seen his little NHL two Seattle logo. So I was somewhat familiar with what he was doing. Uh, at the time I had gotten interested in doing some writing and podcasting and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I was, I had moved to Seattle, but I was like, Hey, I only really know about the wild. Like this is the team that I follow closely. So I'm going to keep watching them, keep following them. And so I started writing for the SB nation blog out of, out of Minnesota, even though I was living in Seattle. Um, and so I reached out to John. I was like, Hey, do you want to come on our podcast? I think it would be, um, you'd have an interesting story to tell you and I both live in Seattle. So there's probably at least a connection and that was really all I was trying to get out of it. And uh, we ended up having lunch and he was like, you know, I actually need writers for my blog, for my NHL to Seattle blog. And um, so that was like kind of where it started. Um, and then over time we developed uh, an interesting friendship and we play hockey together and um, see each other pretty frequently for, for beers and watch parties and stuff like that. And um, you know, he's just an all around great dude. And so uh, you know, his, his story is fascinating because he's such a, he's just a regular guy. And so um, at some point, though, we, you know, we were putting a lot of effort into this website and the and the podcast. And I remember there was a, a point where 
Um, the podcast I was doing previously, it kind of just fell apart. The other guys were like, I don't want to do this anymore. I was like, okay, <laughs> but I had at least learned how to do it. So I was like, Hey, John, do you want to try to do this podcast now? He's like, well, I mean, I, I don't know. It's a lot of time and bandwidth. And I'm like, well, I know what goes into it at least. So I will take this on, you know, I'll do that. All you have to do is show up and talk and then we can use your following to try to build the the brand a little bit. And, um, and so that's kind of how it's gone. And um, it's been pretty successful, I think. I mean, considering how, how niche we are, because there is no actual hockey team here yet. And we've been talking about it for three years, but we have mm. a decent little following of people that show up yeah. and, and listen every week and um, seem to really enjoy it. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Now we've, you know, we also realized at some point that being called NHL to Seattle just didn't really make sense. So uh, we took the branding of the podcast, which was always sound of hockey and, and turned that into sound of hockey.com. So, uh, and that's where we are. So um, we're continuing to build, you know, I think we have a decent relationship with the, with the Kraken was, which is exciting. And, um, yeah, so that's where we're at. The, uh, the sound of hockey uh, brand. I just want to point out, uh, that news broke here on C4 because I did not realize that, uh, you guys were going to have an actual launch. John didn't make that clear when he joined <laughs> us. At, classic uh, John, classic John. <laughs> um, but, uh, it's pretty cool to, to hear about sort of the formation of the community. I mean, we're obviously in a much different market one, I think. And I'm not going to, I'm not trying to curse sort of like Canada, us here. I mean, the Pacific Northwest is, is very much very similar. Um, but it's almost like this expectation in Canada that you like hockey. And, uh, from there, I mean, we're one of 132 Canucks podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can lay the claim to being the longest running though, because we are many come and many go. Well, that's why we started three years before the team got here so that we can always claim yeah. that for the Kraken too. So, yeah. But, uh, can you claim to be the best mediocre uh, Kraken podcast because oh. we make that claim too. Yeah, I think so. I don't see why not. Good, good. But <laughs> uh, I, you know, the one thing I, I must admit I, I find really cool is the fact that you're saying you have a really good relationship with the Kraken. I'm not going to lie. I don't even think the Canucks know we exist. Yeah. Well, so there's some jealousy there. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And frankly, there's, it's like you said, it's a very different market, right? And I even noticed like, cause I came from Minnesota, right? And so there's a thousand blogs and uh, uh, podcasts and people trying to essentially do exactly what we're doing now. But the market is so inundated and so saturated with people that know hockey that it's really hard to do anything with that, right? So I totally get that. Um, in Seattle, I, you know, I didn't really realize how good of an opportunity it was to continue writing and and talking about hockey until I was like, holy crap, like there's a lot of people that want to talk about hockey and nobody's talking about hockey. So we actually have a really good opportunity here to be the first ones in the market doing this kind of thing. And like, sure, there's a few others now, but we really were the first ones doing it. Um, And I, I mean, I think it's been beneficial and, you know, I think the team probably feels like there's, there's some sort of debt of debt, some sort of debt of gratitude owed to uh, John for all the work that he did and honestly helping get the team here. So um, I think that's helped with the relationship over time. Um, And then Andy, our, our other person that does a lot of writing for us and he's on the podcast as well. Uh, he actually is doing freelance work for the Kraken as well. So he's he's a freelance writer for NHL.com. Um, but he's been covering the Seattle Thunderbirds for many years. And um, so he really goes about it as more of like a, a beat writer as opposed to John and I are more kind of <laughs> here having fun and trying to put out good content, but um, and more of, a, you know, less of a traditional approach. So have the Kraken always been super open with you in terms of giving you guests and um, content? And has there been any 
anything they've said no to or been resistant to? Um, I mean, we always have we always have some requests in for um, certain certain guests within the organization. Like, I mean, you can guess who some of the bigger names are that haven't been on the show yet, right? So, right. Um, yeah. So it's not that they necessarily say no; it's more that they aren't quite as eager to to help us out with getting getting certain people on the show. But they're you know, it's more like when the time is right, we'll we'll let you talk to them. So, um, and so far, some of those just haven't happened. But um, we're we're not worried about it. You know, we we think that. Um, where we are now, it feels like we're, we have a really good relationship and, um, we're continuing to try to foster as much as we can. The, uh, I mean, Francesco Aquilini follows me on Twitter mm. and there's this, always this tempted, you know, sensation. I mean, should I slide in his DMs and say, Hey, uh, Francesco, want to join us here on C4? Uh, I presume I'm going to be immediately blocked the moment I do that. So I just, I just like to float the fact that it says follows you and, you know, whomever it was that was running his account at the time made that mistake. Yeah. You never know though. I, I can't necessarily speak to the owner of the team. When I was doing the wild podcast, we, we would rarely reach out to people within the wild organization. Cause we also know that they're very like, they're very tight with uh, that organization yeah. doesn't give press credentials to anybody who's not like a, you know, a member of the PHWA or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we never really tried too hard to get people from actually within the wild organization, but the, I got to say like the hockey community in general, people are pretty, pretty willing to talk. And I'm sure you guys have found that over the years, but like our, yeah. our big thing for finding guests when I was doing that podcast. And then, then we were really just like three schlubs at that time. Right now we're still three schlubs, I'd say, but a little bit less schlubby because we have a pretty good following now. But, um, but at that time, I mean, our, our approach was just DMing people on Twitter, like any, any hockey person with a little bit of a following, that had their DMs open, we'd, we'd reach out and be like, Hey, any interest in chatting about the Minnesota wild, right? And like 25% of them would say yes. Right. So we'd get some pretty decent guests that way. And, um, but I think really that just speaks, speaks volumes to how great the hockey community can be sometimes too, is like, you know, they see when you're a, a young person that's trying to just like come up with something creative and interesting. And, um, they know that you, you they'd get value and be excited to talk to you. And, um, you know, that just seeing that people would respond and, and positively uh, be willing to come on to your podcast, knowing very little about you, I think was uh, it speaks volumes to how the hockey community can be. Yeah. Well, I just, on that note, I mean, the hockey community is sort of what brought us together. Like I was initially reaching out to John because a mutual listener of ours uh, suggested, Hey, you should talk to those guys down the highway. Yeah. In fact, you might know her cause she was the one who got you and I connected. Oh so, yeah. Lisa. Um, I do know. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually have never met her in person. Ooh, sorry. I got a motorcycle going by. I don't know her in person. Like I've never met her personally, but uh, she's a big follower and fan of the show. Definitely. By the way, I just confirmed uh, that Norm Green is still alive. I wasn't sure on that. I just, <laughs> He's 87, 87 years old. Yeah. Norm is one of those old timey names, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's also now a car alarm going off in the neighborhood. Do we need to? That's okay. I mean, okay. You, this, the stuff we used to have. Um, so this podcast started here in my condo, my um, original co-host Clay Emo, uh, who you might, if you see any of the Canucks parody videos in that Clay is the guy. Um we sat in the living room, fire trucks going up and down mm -hmm. the street, my cat, like nuzzling and purring against the single Yeti microphone. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, our longtime listeners, they're used to that. Got it. Um, talking about, uh, sort of the, the Kraken a, a little bit to more in detail. 
Uh, speaking of uh, people involved with other teams, uh, JT Brown hung up the skates and was recently announced to, to be joining uh, John Forsling in the booth. That's right. Um, did that catch you by surprise? Like, uh, again, I'm not, not, it's just like, wow, I, I think that's a pretty cool get and an opportunity in a new market for, yeah. for someone who wants to get in the field. It- by surprise in the sense that it was not somebody that anybody was expecting, right? I mean, yeah. I was as surprised as anybody else that that was the name that they ended up with, especially because he was still technically playing hockey, right? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I think like the hire is just, it's so in line with their whole mentality and their whole approach to this whole thing. And, um, you know, like I was, I was very much of the mindset that like once they got John Forsland, who is a very traditional hockey person in a lot of ways, you know, if, if you know what I mean there, like it felt like they were definitely going to go for somebody who was going to fit more of that inclusive hockey is for everybody approach. And, and who represents that better than JT Brown, who has been so outspoken on all of these justice, social justice issues, mm-hmm. even before last year, you know, he was at the forefront of all of it. And, um, and not only that, but I love how he kind of speaks to a younger audience in a way, because he's got this mm-hmm. following on Twitch. Like he's like a semi-pro video game player on the side, yeah. you know? So I just think it's, it's such a cool thing. And, uh, like, yeah, nobody was expecting that particular hire, but as soon as they came out with that, I was like, yep, that's perfect. That's exactly, that's exactly like what I expected them to go with here because it's not what you would necessarily expect if that makes sense. Um, and it just, it's a perfect fit. I, I absolutely love it. I think he's going to be so great. And, um, and I'm, I'm very excited that they, they managed to hire him. I think it's a brilliant hire. Yeah, I agree. I not generally in favor of giving, like hockey players with no experience of media just jobs for the sake of it but JT Mm -hmm. Brown is one of those people that's always been tuned in at kind of a higher level um to the game and he's shown that throughout his career so I think it's really exciting I think it's definitely one of those hires that makes it a lot of Canucks fans jealous that they have that yeah. Well, I mean, there's got to be other people too, like not to rub it in, but there's got to be other people in the Kraken organization already that have made you feel that way. Am I right? Oh gosh. Oh yes. Like it's, it's, it's a topic that comes up not only on our podcast, just between like Anna and I chatting guests of ours are like, did you see who the Kraken have hired? Yeah. Like, uh, we had Brock McGillis on and he was talking about the Seattle Kraken and aren't, you know, don't you wish you could be cheering for that team instead of the Canucks? <laughs> now, granted, He's taking shots at the Canucks on our, our, yeah. you know, our, 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 yeah. but the point being is that like, it feels to me that the Kraken are looking at how they can change the culture of the sport more than really any other team has ever even tried to. I think there are teams that have tried to take a progressive approach and whether, you know, right or wrong, find themselves drawn back into this old hockey mentality. And then you have the Kraken, they're like, well, we've got none of that history tying us down. So let's go and let's, let's see if we can do something special. And like, I'll tell you, I mean, you've probably seen this on social media, but there are a number of longtime Canucks fans who are like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be cheering for the Kraken now too. Like they're not necessarily giving out their Canucks jerseys but they're throwing a cracking one into the closet right mm-hmm. beside it. That's interesting. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head with the not having the history that they're tied to. Right. Because I think a big part of it too, is like, there's probably organizations that have said, yeah, we're going to try to change the culture and they meant it. Right. I bet they said it earnestly, mm-hmm. 
But then they try to go down this road that is a little bit different and then they don't have success right away. And then all of a sudden the general manager has pressure to win and he says, oh, I got to go back to the, you know, the old crusty guy that I've hired five times to that helped me the last time. And then all of a sudden you're right back in the old boys club that it's always been. Um, and so I think you're, you hit the nail on the head that the Kraken have this opportunity because there isn't this history. Right. And so now they, they've like, they've said, this is how we're going to build the organization. We're going to do it differently. If we're going to rebuild hockey, this is how we would do it. And they're not just saying that they're actually doing it right. You look at the people that they've hired and it's just like, I mean, even going back to Cami Granado, right? They hired Cami Granado oh, long yeah. ago. And, uh, you know, I think at the time she was considered the first pro scout in the NHL, a female. And I'm just like, how is that even possible? You know, like how, how from, has their from our backyard, like the Granados, <laughs> yeah, they live we're here. Yeah, kind of scared that Ray's going to move now. <laughs> well, but. yeah, I mean, I, I just... It's things like that where it just it feels like it should be it shouldn't be groundbreaking right at this stage in the game it shouldn't be groundbreaking to hire a female into a role like that and yet for whatever reason and I think the Kraken recognize that they're like these are things that we should have done as a hockey culture and as a sport decades ago right mm-hmm. and I think they see those things like okay here's an opportunity where we can do this right. Everett Fitzhugh, right? He's the he's considered the first black uh, radio commentator, I think. And he was like the only black commentator in all of uh, hockey, like professional hockey. It's like, well, how is that possible? Right. And Todd Lewicki found him. He's like, this is the guy. He is the guy to come in here because he's an opportunity to, um, you know, to, to provide some more representation for a, a part of the community that doesn't get it. Right. And like even John and Andy and I, right. Like we try so hard to be so inclusive on our show, but then we look at each other and we're like, well, we're three white guys, right? Like how much, <laughs> how much can we really, uh, you know, provide that inclusive environment? And the only thing that you can really do is just try to, um, you know, try to just continue to push, and, you know, just little by little show that, hey, yes, we do actually believe that hockey is for everyone as much as the NHL say, says that. And the Kraken, what's so incredible is that, like, not only do they say it, but then they go out and do these things like, OK, they mean it and they literally want to change hockey culture. Um, and they're doing it with their actions, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's just you really nailed it there because it's about doing the work, right? Because I think Canucks give them credit they are trying very hard with truth and reconciliation this year especially and they're trying very hard with mental health but you need the people in the organization or you're gonna keep making missteps and mistakes and yeah Seattle by building that way from the beginning and yeah it hasn't been token at all so I think that's really important I hope that continues yeah Exactly. That's a, that's a great way of putting it too. It's not like they're not doing it just to do it. This is just, this is how they're building their team. Right. Um, you know, Alex Mandricki, she's right at the forefront of their hockey operations. You know, it's just, and it, it just, the list goes on and on. It's like, okay, this is, this is cool. This isn't just lip service. This is real. And they're, they're doing the right thing here um, from the beginning to build the foundation. That this is how the organization is always going to run. In, you know, to sort of, back off what a, what you you and Nana have said. I mean, it, it's not performative. It's it is truly uh, almost a brand that they're wishing to establish from day one, a culture. And um, you know, by challenging these norms, I, I truly hope that the Seattle Kraken can help push teams forward. Like I 
do give the Vancouver Canucks credit for, for some of their mental health initiatives. Um, the fact that they are trying to, to focus on truth and reconciliation here in, in Canada with our, our indigenous uh, rights and, and issues at play. But for every step forward that they try to make, they're, I'm not going to say taking a step backward, but they almost got like one foot stuck in the mug behind them. Mm. It, it It is such a slow slog. And there are also, I think, those within the organization that are just comfortable with the way it's always been. Yeah. Like, the way it's been is fine, is it not? And they're not really as maybe open to taking a chance um you know is everything that seattle is going to do and and probably put into play you know work as well as as they had hoped no no plan ever goes perfect but i'm inspired to see what they're doing and i think that's what's most important is to to inspire other fans and those who might not be fans but potentially will become fans because of everything they're doing within the the league so yes to answer that earlier question gosh darn it am i a little bit jealous (laughs) yeah and by the way i got a little uh worked up there so um you know i hope that that was okay to be worked up but um i just i'm very impressed i mean you said it's inspiring to see what they're doing good you said it's you know inspiring to see what they're doing I, i couldn't agree more i think it's it's really cool and you know for somebody like me who's a transplant right to to get myself behind a team when I've been so diehard for another team to get myself behind a new team is like something that I'm actually having to wrap my head around. And, uh, but it's, it's really easy to root for a team that does things that are, you know, actually trying to, um, trying to change hockey culture, which we all know has, um, had its, had its bumps in the road here over the last, especially over the last few years. But then you start to unravel it a little bit and you're like, Oh, it's always actually been kind of terrible. And we just didn't see it because, um, cause nobody really called it out. So, um, it's, it's cool. It's really cool what they're doing and it does make it pretty easy to root for them too. It does. Yes. Well, we're going to, yourselves- sorry, I was just going to say like the only thing I thank the Kraken for is making their logo so ugly that I don't want to buy all of their gear because oh! I am so close to doing it. I'm sorry. It's really bad, but I love the That's colors. Interesting. I hate the logo. Chris, do you it agree? It looks like those S's you drew in no. school. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Back when I was Darren Fun Brown, I would draw those S's for sure. Yeah, exactly. you, don't, you don't think it's so bad though, Chris? No, I, I act so I'm like, is it the best in the in the league? Eh, but I, I think it's I think it's popping. Mm-hmm. Like I I like it. I like it. I'll I like it better than the Canucks logo. Like I I'm sorry, but as long as the Vancouver Canucks have to put the word Canucks on their logo. <laughs> the way they have, like there are better ways to go about this and the Vancouver Canucks have just never ever been able to figure it out. Don't need to relitigate it, but yeah, I'm still a fan of having the city name on the Jersey because I don't think that's bad to know where you came from. So, Mm. but anyway, the point is that I'm very jealous and that's probably the only thing stopping me crossing the border. So what about that? What about that secondary logo with like the anchor and the space needle hidden in it? That's, it's perfect. Yeah. Perfect, Anna. Perfect. It's definitely better. Okay. And I love the colors. Like yeah. the Seahawks colors are so ugly. I think Kraken got a pass on the fact that the league didn't want them to go blue and green like the Canucks. So they got freedom to have a nice set of jerseys and the color scheme is so nice. Yeah. 
I mean, we always tried to avoid talking about the team name because that was like the only thing that people would talk about, right? Was just, oh, what's the team name going to be? What's the team name going to be? Right? It doesn't matter what the team name is going to be. You're going to root for the team no matter what, right? But, uh, you know, Kraken was never my favorite. Like when you'd see that list of 20 yeah. team names, Kraken was never my mm-hmm. my favorite. But when they did the whole unveil and showed the whole package, you know, and they showed what the jerseys were going to look like on that first day, uh, the 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 name, the uh, jerseys, the logo, all that stuff was all done as one reveal. And I was like, you know what? This whole thing makes a ton of sense to me. And it's going to be really freaking cool when opening night happens and the lights go off and they have this whole like maritime thing happening on the ice. And, you know, you just yeah. start to envision it. it's like, dude, this is going to be awesome. So there's um, I'm, so many game entertainment stuff that can be yeah. done there. Yeah. If they had just unveiled it and been like, we're the Kraken and then didn't really do anything else with it, I'd have been like, all right, but because they did all of it at once, I was like, "Dude, this is this is cool. I, I love yeah. this." So, I mean, I love the team name. I I'm a big fan of the singular team name. Mm-hmm. I think the NHL needs more of those. So, yeah, I like it. Got it. Well, we'll take ourselves that uh, short break uh, I tried to get to earlier. You're listening to the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast and CanucksHockeyBlog.com and the Full Press Coverage Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Take hitting out of the game. You can't hit anymore, so don't do it. The unsportsmanlike conduct, I want to get an explanation on. No kidding. Because how do you get suspended for unsportsmanlike conduct? Plus interference. There's no interference there. He had the puck. Now, Madison never, ever did that before. Now, why did he do it? That Because he was mad. Well, your early favorite for the Calder (laughs) Trophy, that's for sure. Elias Patterson, you might even say your early favorite for the Hart Trophy. Just to get back to your question, Elias is going to play plenty. He's going to get a lot of power play time and... Yeah, I'm concerned about our offense. We lost 200-point players, and we've got to find a way to score. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the uh, NHL and ultimately how I think things will will pan out for the, the Seattle Kraken. Obviously, we have an expansion draft fast approaching. We have an entry draft soon after that. And then, uh, well, I think free agency actually falls in between the two. Cause again, we're still sort of in pandemic scheduling and I'm used to be, everything was clockwork. Like I could tell you, boom, boom, boom. Now I'm a, I'm a little up in the well, air. The expansion but. draft also doesn't happen every year. So. Oh, really? Well, heck, <laughs> if I know what's going on, I mean, so this is actually to give some backstory here. The moment the Canucks are done, I don't care. I don't know what's going on. Like right now in the playoffs, as far as I know, the Minnesota wild are currently two games up in the Stanley yeah. cup final. Yeah. They're almost uh, going to, going to win the cups. So 
Uh, you should definitely keep an eye on them or at least root for them. You know what? I wouldn't advise tuning in to watch the games, but definitely root mm-hmm. for them. Um, and, you know, just remember uh, two weeks from now when they are the Stanley Cup champions, uh, where you were sitting when we had this conversation. So um, sounds good. Yeah. But uh, back to the actual playoffs, we got Montreal currently up on the Vegas Golden Knights, mm-hmm. which is counter to the point that, uh, I mean, I would say we have collectively agreed on, though, Anna, maybe a little bit more uh, a needle in your, your haystack here about how bad the North Division is. <laughs> and then uh, from what I understand before we hit record was uh, the Islanders uh, won their game, was it? So that shouldn't, that one should be, was it 3-3 now? Yeah. Yeah. Series? Game yeah. seven. Yeah. So, I mean, the playoffs so far, first of all, thoughts and two, any surprises that uh, you see? I mean, is Montreal really this good team? I personally think it has everything to do with, you know, Tyler Toffoli because that's what Canucks fans for the most part think. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be the narrative there. Right. But uh, well, one of the things that I found really interesting is the like the point of Carey Price is on this massive contract. Right. And all these other teams have built these these, you know, like groups of forwards and defensemen and like not really given the big contract to the goalie. And I think it's like, that's always been a thorn in the side of Montreal in a way is that they gave price that massive contract. Like, well, if he never really gets into the promised lands, right. You've really kind of missed an opportunity there and now he's finally proving them right. So isn't that just fascinating that uh, sure enough, a goalie can have that kind of impact. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think, Obviously, Montreal is the surprise in answer to your question. You know, somebody had to come out of the North, and I think most people probably thought it was going to be Toronto. But, you know, the fact that Montreal not only got out, but then has continued to have success beyond getting out of the North Division and getting over the border into the United States when nobody else is allowed mm-hmm. to do that uh, <laughs> is, I mean, it speaks volumes to the fact that they. I mean, maybe they're not the best team, but they seem to be understanding how to play in the playoffs, you know, and they're two different games. Uh, You know, you look at how their season went and early on they were hot and then they really weren't. And then Claude Julien got fired and then they started to get a little bit better again and then playoffs hit and they, you know, they caught on fire. So um, obviously they're the, they're the surprise. I think people continue to be surprised by like the Islanders, which I don't know why we continue to be surprised by the Islanders. Cause I think they went to the conference finals last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then the avalanche too, like the facts, like everyone picks the avalanche to win the cup. I, I certainly did. And you look at their roster and you're like, man, they are just so stacked from top to bottom. And so for me, I think the biggest surprise of the whole playoff so far has been them not getting deeper than the second round uh, again. So um, that to me is really, <laughs> really the shocker so far yeah i, I agree think I had abs lightning. yeah i mean i think i did too and i think i had the um abs losing because the western conference can't have nice things mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean montreal of course is the biggest shock um but i think i kind of agree with you that the playoffs are a different beast i don't think this necessarily proves anything about the north division being actually good like Montreal are uh, playing the game they have to play. They are heavily relying on price. They're s- springing their forwards, scoring a lot on the breakaway. Um, and they're being super effective with it. I really hope they can get past the Knights. I'm not sure if they have the staying power, but um, yeah, it's fun to see. 
Um, but yeah, I don't think it necessarily proves anything about regular season. I mean, from the North Division, right? Like, is it that that North Division is good, or is it that you know? Because everyone's like, well, look at look at the there's there's nobody that's like really running away with it. There's nobody with like really that high of points values. Um, even you know Toronto, who's supposed to be the best team, didn't win by that much. You know, but really, is it that there actually was a little bit of parity in the North that people didn't really realize was there? I mean. You guys tell me this. Why did Vancouver suck so bad this year? Because I thought they looked pretty good last year. Uh, um, um, see, part of the problem was that the front office uh, was in line with your thoughts um, and didn't realize that in, at best, a status quo offseason did not in turn improve the team. Mm. Arguably, the team got worse on the offseason. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Not, and this is not knocking the contracts that you see Calgary sign where they – sign every former Vancouver connect they could get their hands on except for fully. But you had Markstrom who ultimately got the Vancouver Canucks to the playoffs and got them as deep as he did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Vegas almost got Demcode, but it was on the back of Markstrom that made that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had a blue line that was just at best uh, something stitched together with duct tape and bailing wire, but it was Chris Tanov who was the duct tape. Yeah. You had um, what we would call Jags, you know, just another guy and, or just a guy. And we had Vancouver has lots of them, but the ones that you actually need, the ones that get you good value, those fourth liners who provide low contract Vancouver Canucks had a few, one of which was Josh Levo and like all of these pieces at play, they all left. Mm. So what do we see Vancouver get in return? Nate Schmidt well, I mean, it was a decent pickup, but unfortunately the glue guy that you had Tano, who, you know, I know we hear good in the room far too often, but Tanov was this sort of elder statesman that younger players looked up to, and you knew you were getting what you were getting with, with Tanov. You lost that. Mm-hmm. And, not, and that's not knocking Schmidt. He just was never going to provide that. Yeah. Um, you lost offensive production. Like, to fully leaving the team is probably, I think, the thing that angered most people was that he signed for money that made sense and would have made sense here in Vancouver. Yeah. Because I think we so, all resigned to him going because we're like, we can't afford him. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then he signed that contract in Montreal. And like, um, I would say 50% of Canucks fans had their jaws on the ground. And the other 50% were like, well, they can't afford it. Well, yeah. And then JT Miller didn't hit his strides the way he had last season because he was just so hot last season. And then PD was injured for a quarter of the yeah, season. Yeah. I mean, that didn't help. Mm-hmm. Maybe more. So. What are your the, honest the opinions Vancouver. these days on Brock Besser? And before you answer that, no, you know what? Go ahead and answer it. Go ahead and answer it, and then I'll tell you my caveat. Go ahead. Well, I, I think so. I was going to say, like, go ahead, Chris. Okay, well, I was going to say with the Vancouver Canucks. The Vancouver Canucks are a team that is strung together by a lot of what ifs. Mm-hmm. They've been a what if team for a long time, and the problem is when what if doesn't pan out, it's a domino that knocks the rest down. Mm. Okay. But back to uh, sort of the Brock Besser question. Anna. Yeah, that was just very vague. Like, so what, you, but do you, are you pro Brock? Like, what do you think? Like, no, no, I wasn't answering Brock. I was actually addressing sort of the, <laughs> what the point I was going. To I was like, so is he one of is he one of the dominoes? I don't understand where he falls. In yeah, his... that was oh, just no, no. very okay. poetic. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, here, Brock. I I view Brock as so I again I grew up in a Canucks era where you had to trade away blue chip players to go in in turn build a team, and I feel Brock is that player. I love Brock as a Vancouver Canuck. He's a good kid. 
uh, I think he can continue to contribute. But then I also look at how, uh, you know, I'm not trying to draw a parallel to the player, but Todd Bertuzzi provided more for the Vancouver Canucks when he was dealt probably than when he was here, even though he was part of an integral line with West coast express, like him and him being moved is what enabled the Vancouver Canucks to then make what we saw a very good team in sort of the late two thousands into the 2011 run. So I feel Brock can help the Vancouver Canucks acquire the pieces that they need to get to that next level. Interesting. It's very interesting. I didn't like that. I don't like that. I mean, I think he's um, had his struggles, but I think he's back to his best and he seems to have figured out his game and matured massively this season. Mm. And I also think that you cannot break up the league's best power couple. Like mm. Patterson would just be crying for yeah. You can't trade him. So my, my caveat is that he's from my hometown and my mom is friends with his mom. So that's why I wanted to get your, I didn't want to like sway your answers oh, well. there before I shared that with you. Um, there goes any chance Brock joins. Yeah, no, I don't know him. I don't know him at all. I've never met him, but, uh, uh, it seems like he, he is a pretty good kid as you said. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, but anyway, that's, that's good that you, I mean, in the all, you have a pretty positive, um, opinion of him. I'm certainly a big fan just because of that background, but, um, yeah, I mean, I look at the, the Canucks from the outside and it, it just, you, you gave a lot of good insight there. And I think for me, the biggest thing was probably losing Mark Strom. Right. But I, I was just like all along, you know, this seems like such a an up and coming roster and to see him take a big step back last year. But that brings us back to the root of the, the conversation, right? Was was that all that they really took that big of a step backwards or was the North actually better than people thought it was? You know, I don't I don't know. It's hard to say because you never played anybody outside of Canada. Right. And that was that was the other thing. Right. The, the Montreal comes in to play Vegas and you're like, well, now there's some mystery. Right. It's almost like baseball back in the day when it was like American League and National League hadn't played each other all year. And then you get to the World Series and all of a sudden they have to play each other for the first time. And like usually you had an idea, but you never really knew how the teams were going to match up. Right. And there was that same kind of intrigue this year. I think people kind of assumed that Vegas was going to steamroll Montreal just because of how things had gone throughout the season. Right. And Montreal's showing like, no, that's not that's not it. Like, that's not how it's going to go. We're, we're going to put our foot down. We're going to play well. We're going to give you a good fight. We might even end up winning this thing. And it seems very possible as of the recording of this episode that they could end up winning this thing. So um, it's pretty interesting. And I mean, you know, you can, you can say all you want that the North was not very good and that's fine. And it's possibly true. Right. But you put them in divisions with American based teams and, you know, and all of them were in divisions with American based teams last season, Right. And Canadian teams were still making the playoffs. So, you know, maybe it's not so much that the North stinks. Maybe it's really just the fact that they only played against each other. And there's actually a lot of good teams in the North. And we just don't quite wrap our heads around that because we just don't want to. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, possibly. I do think that the hockey I watched all year and then the hockey I started watching in the playoffs was just like a whole different level of speed and skill. Yeah. But maybe that's just I watch too much. Maybe, and but I mean, how much of that is just is just hockey too, right? And I mean, that's just kind of how it is. And and also, like towards the end of the year and in the playoffs, at least in the U.S. based games, you're starting to see fans in the stands too, which definitely has an impact on how the guys play. So, um, I, you know, I was wondering about that because like Montreal, the most that they had for um, any of their games leading up to the Vegas series, I think was like what, like 2,000 fans or a couple hundred fans or something like that? Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, essentially, it was a game six against Toronto. I mean, ultimately, yeah, the fact that they even had fans in the stands in in Montreal was amazing, based on sort of the Canadian standard yeah. up to that point. Like Quebec, all of a sudden, sort of loosened things. I think had the spirit of hockey, and then now, I mean, the Canadian government's getting into it where. There's only one professional sports team in Canada that can cross the border and the Habs are it. <laughs> yeah, and they've probably like passed some special law or something to allow that to happen. But I mean, my point is then they come across the border, right? They're the first Canadian team to do that in a year and a half to come across the border. And they go into Vegas and it's a completely full building, right? We were very curious to see how that would play out. And I think they've they've done pretty well playing in Vegas. Yeah. I mean, they, they've looked good. So anyway, that's a lot of different topics to touch on there, but... <laughs> Back to your back to your original question. I don't think the North is bad. I think the North was fine. So, <laughs> oh, well. well, seeing as uh, the Seattle Kraken are going to be picking players, which of uh, the players from the North and specifically Vancouver do you think they're going to grab? Because when we asked John this question, this was back like December of 2020. And he had sort of, you know, walked through a list and how we had said, is it going to be Louis Erickson? And, you know, we know it won't be. I mean, I don't know if Vancouver can even offer anything to get Louis off the books. Mm -hmm. But we've now had a, a shortened season at play where one of the players that the Vancouver Canucks may have protected will not be protected, which then opens up the ability to potentially protect a player like Cole Lind who was a player that, you know, John had, had alluded to was a potential target. So who, who do you see the Kraken as possibly? Yeah, having that's eyes that's tough. I mean, it's so tough because especially the, the teams where it's like, it's really obvious who, you know, like, oh man, this guy can't get protected. Right. Like the wild for his, like, they're a good example, right? We're like, oh, I don't think they can protect Matt Dumba. Right. And if they can't protect Matt Dumba, obviously he's the guy that you go for. And if it's not Matt Dumba, then it's obviously Jordan Greenway or it's obviously Carson Soucy or and you start going down the list. I don't feel like there's that much of a hierarchy with the Canucks. Maybe you guys have a better grasp on it than I do. I, you know, I too thought that Cole End made a lot of sense, but if you're saying that he could be protected, then that's probably an issue. Uh, the funny thing was back in the day, and this has all changed so much as we've gone through this whole process. Um, back in the day, I always thought it was going to be a goalie, right? Because we always assumed oh, okay. that that uh, Markstrom was going to get re-signed and then you're going to have this issue because you had Markstrom and you had Demko and uh, DiPietro coming up too. And, you know, clearly it just made sense that, that there was going to be a goalie out of Vancouver. Well, Markstrom moves on. So there goes that. In comes Braden Holtby. You're like, oh, well, Braden Holtby, that makes a lot of sense. That's a Mark Marc-Andre Fleury-esque type of person to bring in, right? Kind of later in his career, he's won a cup, right? This makes a ton of sense for it to be Braden Holtby. And then Braden Holtby kind of stunk this year, right? So mm-hmm. I don't Who's know. Who's good at I, the end though? Please, please take him. He's really okay. expensive. So yeah, well, but see, he's really expensive in a way that requires Seattle to take most of his salary. And that was yeah. even how they structured mm-hmm. the contract. And like, I saw them sign him to that deal and I was like, well, that's smart because isn't it like it's like twice as much in the second year than it was in the first year yeah, right? or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it's a reasonable cap, but it's a backloaded yeah. deal. Like you're you're essentially paying him his contract in the second season. Yeah, so they knew what they were doing <laughs> with that contract. Like, we can't give you a no movement clause, but we can promise to pay you uh, the money in the second half of the contract so that it's harder for the con for the Kraken to take you. So. I mean, that's a roundabout way of saying I have no idea who we're going to take from the Canucks, but uh, I, 
you know, who do you think would be on Do you, is there a hierarchy from, from your view as like, who can they just not barely protect that they would prefer to protect? I mean, well, see, the Vancouver, I would suggest Go ahead, the, the one that might pop out the end um, might be Zach McEwen. Hmm. And that's mm. someone I think he's a big fan favorite. Um, but he's a cheap fourth liner that you might take a, just a flyer on. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Madison Bowie was acquired for the sole reason of exposing him, but I don't think he's like that appealing to Seattle, apart from the fact that why not? Yeah. 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 See, I feel that the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, if you had asked this question, you know, and we had it, um, with, with John on, like there were, there was like, okay, the Canucks are going to lose a a decent player and probably young player, maybe Holtby, but at that point, a decent young player. Now I sort of look at how the Vancouver Canucks played over the course of the season. Um, the change that we saw late in the season where a player who would have been protected is not going to be, I can't imagine the team you know, throws a, a protection on him. And it has me wondering if now the Vancouver Canucks just don't go and give Seattle a bunch of players. They hope Seattle might take a flyer on um, where I think the biggest risk is, is you're probably, unless the Vancouver Canucks make a deal, there is going to be a solid NHL or on the blue line left unprotected because of expansion rules. They need to have X number of games played. And yet, I feel the contracts are then the anchor there's there's it's good for the Canucks. Yeah. We lost a great player, but thanks for taking this much money off our cap. And if you're Seattle, do you really want to take that, that type of contract so early? Mm-hmm. I just like, I just feel that Zach might be a player, but I feel that Seattle's essentially taking from Vancouver a depth player, someone they might maybe piece together in a package for someone mm-hmm. else or something like that. Uh-huh. Like I just, yeah, I don't think Vancouver is doing Seattle. Any but favors. I think that's just like what you are going to find, right? This round, uh, there's a few teams that are really up against it. And those are the teams where they're going to try to find their cornerstone players. You know, I think Tampa Bay lightning is a good example. They're what 15, $18 million <laughs> over the salary cap here in the playoffs. Yeah. So um, like, obviously they're in a world of hurt as far as the salary cap. So can they get two of their potentially exposed players to come in, maybe even three, who knows, Um, you know, and like Tyler Johnson, for example, right? Like everybody talks about Tyler Johnson because he grew up in Spokane, Washington. So does he, was he interested in coming home? Would the Kraken want to bring him home? There's also this thought that like, well, maybe he's lost a step. Maybe he's not as good, but I think he's looked pretty freaking good in these playoffs. So if they can get him to come to Seattle, you know, as part of a throw-in deal, right. To keep their, their, filthy tentacles off of somebody else and who knows, maybe they can. So I think that, you know, the Kraken, I think they're, they have a good opportunity with some teams to find some cornerstone cornerstone players. I don't see the Canucks as one of those teams, right? I see the Canucks bringing oh, no. them, you know, like you said, a depth player and that's what you're going to find for, for most teams. Um, and it's funny because we go through these, uh, these expansion draft uh, like mock drafts where we were trying to put together the teams that we would pick based on who's available. It's like, that's not actually how it's going to go though. You know, like they're not going to just pick 30 players and that's going to be their team. That's just not how it works, right? Like you look back at the Vegas, like how many of the guys that Vegas actually picked in the expansion draft were on their roster? You know, it's like, it's not that many. So 
clearly like all of this is, is kind of moot and, and it could be that we end up taking somebody on an expiring contract or something like that, you know, and um, you just, you never know what's going to happen. And um, so much of it depends too on like how they're building the team. Like, do they need another defenseman? Like another depth defenseman? Maybe not, you know, maybe not as much as a depth forward. So um, all of that is going to come into play. And it's just not something that people even think about in these situations either. Because like, oh, well, he's the best player, right? Like that's the one that I would want in this situation, but that doesn't always make sense. So there's there's so many angles. It's, it's hard to even surmise who they're going to go for. Do you think there would be an appetite? Because I mean, it's no surprise. The Vancouver Canucks are in a tough spot when it comes to the cap. A uh, couple bad contracts, uh, Luongo's contract still on the books. Um, you know, like there's, there's a need for Vancouver to find some room, especially when you've got uh, Hughes and, and Pedersen's deals uh, eating up a, a good chunk of what mm-hmm. they have. If you're Seattle, do you think there is an appetite that you would go to the Canucks and say, hey, you know what, we're going we're gonna to do you a favor. We just want, we want some picks here. Give us some stuff. Like, and I mean, we saw uh, Vegas do that to an extent that we'll never see it again in the NHL. Cause unfortunately Vegas was, you know, George McPhee was able to go and pull the wool over far too many people's eyes. But if you're the Vancouver Canucks, you might have an appetite to go, okay, you know what? We're going to have to pay to get out of our problem. And what we're going to pay is prospects. And I don't have faith in this front office to not say, Hey, you know what? What's, this is a great idea. Thanks. Those picks aren't good for Spoken us. Spoken like a true fan. See, this is why, you know, this is why you say things like this. This is why it, Hakalini is not going to come on the podcast, right? But. True. <laughs> yeah, making enemies. But I mean, even then, like, it depends if you're talking about prospects or picks because picks. Well, I think it's we picks. Have I don't think we have many prospects in the system. Like Jack Rathbone would be our best prospect, and he now plays for the club. Like you know, we yeah. don't have a great depth there. Yeah, know? I mean, to answer your question though, Chris, like, yeah, I think absolutely there would be desire for it. I know I saw a tweet from, I think it was Pierre Lebron that said that the asking price for anything like that is quite high, right? If you're trying to, uh, mm-hmm. if you're trying to shed salary, that's fine. The Kraken are willing to work with you, but they're going to ask a pretty steep price for it. So um, yes, I think there's an appetite for it, but I also think that they're going to get more than a fair deal from whoever they're making that trade with. Um, like again, you know, I keep circling back to Tampa Bay cause they're so far over the cap. Um, but like, a Carolina, right, is in a not quite as bad of a situation, but they have too many guys to protect and not, you know, it's like these these trades are probably still going to happen. And one thing that doesn't get talked about much is the fact that the salary cap didn't go up like everybody expected it to, right? And it's not going up for years. So teams that thought that they were well positioned to handle the expansion draft are not going to be able to handle it as well as I think they thought they could maybe a year or two ago. And so yeah, I think there's there's absolutely an opportunity from some teams to be able to shed salary. It's going to cost them a lot, <laughs> but I think there's absolutely an opportunity. I think the Kraken would definitely listen to that. I, I think they'd be fools not to listen to those kinds of calls. Yeah. Well, if there's a, a team that I think loves to pay a steep price, yeah. it may be the <laughs> Yeah. And oh, man. Believe you me, the flat cap has been talked about a lot in this yeah. market. So okay. that okay. is that is like Jim Benning's number one excuse. The Got flat it. cap. Um the not day playing in the Pacific Division. Mm-hmm. That's another one. Just, just, yeah. just approaching it. Day yeah, to day. how's the seven year plan going, by the way? Um, well, we need two more yeah. years. We got two it's a nine year plan. It's more of a nine year. So <laughs> Yeah, because the pandemic. I mean 
I don't know if I'm if I'm a fan of a team that says I'm on a seven year plan and we get to year seven and the same general manager says we need two more years. I don't I don't blame you for talking negative. I hope that's not how we sound. You know, seven years from now when the when the crack on our seven years into there um, are are lifting the Stanley Cup for the second yeah, time. Right, yeah, right, right. You know, uh, yeah. I saw a thing the other night that the after I think it was the second period of the Vegas Montreal game. The fans in Vegas weren't happy with the Golden Knights and they booed the Golden Knights off the ice as they were heading to intermission. And it was like, your team has never been anything close to bad. In fact, they're yeah. they're quite good. They've been quite good for the four years that they've existed. And as somebody who rooted for an expansion team for most of his life, uh, I can tell you that there are some very dark days when you're an expansion team for for most fans of an expansion team. So, you know, cool, cool your your jets a little bit there because uh, I don't know. It was just something I thought of that, like, man, imagine uh, if your team was just so so good uh, from the very beginning and just continued to be so good that they have one bad period and you boo them off the ice. That's wild. In in the conference finals, uh, well, I guess we're calling it the Stanley Cup semifinals. Yeah, it's it's a bit mad. I mean, uh, sorry, going back to the expansion draft, like Tampa and Love cap trouble, like you say, but they also just won a cup. They could win another one this year. Like if I was a fan of Tampa, I'd be like, okay, we lost one of our better players to an expansion team where we just won two cups in a row. That's worth it. And that's, that's the price you pay to being in cap trouble, right? But if you pay that price and you win the Stanley Cup, then it's all worth it. So... Yeah. I mean, that's what everybody's trying to do, right? You you get yourself into cap trouble and you say, all right, we have three years here or four years, whatever, where we can potentially win the Stanley Cup. And then after that, it's probably going to fall apart. So at some point, you know, I mean, and they have some really good players under contract for a while. So their window could stay open for a while. But, you know, the supporting pieces, they have to decide which ones they can they can part with and they have to part with pieces, right? They just, they can't not. So, or, or they could sneakily have one of their higher contract guys just miss the whole season so that he doesn't count yeah. against the salary cap. And, hey, wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't fit right. to play. Yeah. It was, yeah. Not their yeah. fault. Not I mean, the other option is getting to cap trouble by signing Louis Erickson to a $6 million deal mm. and see if that helps you win a cup. Yeah. Yeah. That's just two routes. Either way, yeah. that's interesting. Well, could get uh, Zach Parisi or Ryan Suter on a ninety-eight million dollar deal for thirteen years. Yeah. yeah, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> you know what? I look at it this way: as long as the player doesn't put on a Vancouver jersey, there's nothing to worry about a uh, salary cap, especially when it comes to recapture. Right. <laughs> I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter that a team that was following the darn rules at the time is getting punished for it after the fact and is the only team to have been punished. It does. Heck, like it it always. I was going to say Chris Pronger had a job with the league while he was under contract with the Coyotes. Like how? No, I I hear you. Oh, and playing in it always feels like that. That the league seems to. Seems to. I've said this on our podcast another number of times that sometimes it feels like the league is making up rules as it goes, and it definitely, it definitely like picks teams to uh, to rule in favor of. I think sometimes, like think about how many breaks the Chicago Blackhawks have gotten over the years on salary cap issues. You know, like it's like, well, is that is that really the right decision? Like, would you have made that decision okay. if it were a different team? You know, and it's hard to say, but. Uh, 
They they always seem to the the really great teams always seem to figure it out, don't they? Yeah, find a way. Honestly, yeah. I was listening to your recent episode and I had completely forgotten about Jonathan Taves until you brought him up. <laughs> like, did yeah. we ever find out what was wrong with him? No, I, he just... I, but I wondered, you know, I never, I, I don't know at all. I'm totally guessing here, but I wondered if it was a thing where he maybe got COVID. I don't know. And like they, they, cause you know, um, who was a Stalock, for example, Alex Stalock had like a, a heart condition associated with COVID and he, he didn't end up playing. I don't think all season. Right. And, uh, so I just, I wondered, right. If it was something to do with that and he was like, well, I'm not going to risk my health. So I'm going to, I'm going to just be out all season. Right. And I, I mm. kind of wondered if there was a similar situation with Kucherov, right. Where he was like, I, and every, you know, but all the, all the reporters are like, no, this isn't how it was. He actually had to recover for the whole season. Right. Like, okay. That's the actual report that's coming from the doctors. That's a legitimate thing. But then you also wonder like, well, the timing of his recovery to be right in time for the playoffs, that seems to line up pretty well. Right. And so you just wonder if like, if there was something else going on with him, with Jonathan Taze, or like, this is a weird season, right. We're playing in a pandemic. Maybe he was going to miss time anyway. And he was like, all right, well, we're going to put him on LTIR for the whole year and save the, save the cat. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really know. Um, but it does sound like as, as John mentioned in our podcast that uh, they didn't put him on like the career threatening injury list. So um, he still has to be protected in the expansion draft. He would have been anyway, cause he's on a no move clause, but um, you know, he, he's one of the people that they have to use their, their protection slots for, cause he wasn't on that, uh, that list. Yeah. So, so that's interesting. Cause that tells us, right. That he's probably planning to play again next season. Um, but no, they, I don't think they ever did say what, what actually was wrong with him. Yeah. I mean, the mysterious NHL upper body injury yeah. Yeah. approach to reporting. Right. It's crazy. I think he had capa salaritis. Mm. Could be that, yeah. Well, that's definitely what Marion Hosea oh. had. How, how long have you been sitting on that uh, one? Uh, you know, the, for for only five minutes. Okay. <laughs> only five minutes. Um, as we sort of look to, to to wrap things up, on, on the rundown, so Anna, I'm going to have to throw this to you. You wrote Darren's mascot tweet. So I'm, I'm presuming it was something I must have missed and you saw and based on the look of, of Darren here, he doesn't trying remember to remember tweeting, tweeting but... about a mascot recently. I don't know. Well, this was back on Monday. I think I added okay. it right before we recorded. This was probably, um, this is probably pre or mid uh, food poisoning situation. So, uh, okay. All right. Yeah, I think I know, I think I know where you're going. The, I think I know where you're going. The gist being that, um, if you don't pick UP as your favorite mascot, we can't be friends. Only out of the four that they offered, though. Because the NHL okay. had put four uh, mascots on there. It was UP. Uh, it was, I think, Chance from the Golden Knights. Yes. It was Sparky. Sparky and I have, we've had an issue over the years. Um, and I forget, I actually forget who the fourth one was. But it was just, it was no, clearly like, UP is like, he's a classic, hilarious mascot. What do you have an issue with UP? I have an issue with all like non-animal mascots. Okay. The worst okay. one being Jack from the okay. Vancouver Giants, who is terrifying. Okay. UP is an animal. What is he an animal? Like what animal is he? Just have you have you not have you not watched the Muppets? What is animal is an animal? Yeah. But I can't tell you what animal animal is. 
Yuppie is an animal. I think he's like a I agree giant, with you on Jack. isn't he? Yuppie, Yuppie's a, Yuppie a giant? Yeah, like Jack the giant. Uh, well, I think. What, what, okay, what's Gritty? Uh, gritty, gritty is uh, just what Philadelphia would be if it were a being. That's like There's no better representation for a city than, than Gritty. Yeah, I agree. But I love Gritty. gritty Gritty's top notch, uh-huh. right? Right, so like I feel like Yupi and Yupi and Gritty are in sort of yeah. the same sort of spectrum of if we're going to classify animal, not animal. I think they're both animals. Um, and no one else would get this because it was a British TV show when I was a kid called Banana Splits, but they used to terrify the life out of me, hmm. and I think Yupi looks too similar to them, and I, I think like vaguely human hmm. scares me. I think the reason that Gritty was such a hit is because he was like so bad, he was good. You know, yeah, totally. and I think Yuppie is kind of in that vein where you're just like, wow, look at this. This is just a, and I, I do kind of think he's a human though. Like I think Yuppie is a human, but he's like a very oh, sloppy, man. funny human. Right. So <laughs> I got nothing, you know, I have nothing. And you know, Jack from the Vancouver giants, I had never seen uh, him before. I, I mean, I don't think he's that creepy. He's got, you know, he's got sleepy eyes. Um, the- they did this Valentine's video where he had like a date with a lady mascot. Okay. And it was just like so alarming. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I-, I could go through every mascot in the league and I could tell you that's a good mascot. That's a good mascot. That's a good mascot. That's a bad mascot. That's a bad, but I couldn't tell you why on any of them. Like I, I would have to really think about it hard to understand the reasoning. Um, but like I look at UP. Great mascot. Chance, not a fan of Chance at all. Sparky, I uh, don't really get why he's a dragon, number one. And number two, uh, I saw him have a backfire of a t-shirt cannon when I was at an Islanders game many years ago, and he lost all respect for me in that moment. Um, you know, so I just, it's things like that where I'm like, you know, you know, you have you have some sort of reason that you think he's a good or a bad mascot. And uh, I don't know, for UP, I just see him and I think, Good mascot. So it's just it's just how it is. Where's Finn? Sorry? Where's Finn fall into this? Uh, I think Finn's a scale. Finn's a good mascot. I like Finn. I think that's cool. I'm I'm kind of a killer whale fan though, too. Like I think they're pretty incredible animals. So um yeah, I think yeah. Finn's Finn has a like a mouth that flops up and down, right? I mean it doesn't really flop, yeah. but he bites a lot of people for sure. Okay. That's his shtick. Yeah. Okay. And then he has the whole, you know, smoke out of the uh, hole. Yeah. See, that's a I nice... think he gets a lot of hate, but he's a good mascot and he got really sassy on Twitter this year. So I think people good. like him a bit more. Yeah, that's a, usually a, a good uh, good step for a mascot is to get a sassy Twitter account, definitely. I always wonder how they manage to tweet with their big hands. but anyway. I mean, great question. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably uh, like using Siri or... But they can't you know. talk. But, but they, can't, they can't talk. Oh, uh, you need point. to figure I this out know. in mascot law. Like, it needs to make sense. Kids are going to ask these questions. Yeah, that's, that's true. Good good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, will you be making the uh, trip up here? Presuming, you know, you would be allowed to cross the border. Oh, 100%. Yeah. We were up there. Like, should we be having a, a uh-huh. We were up there for the draft uh, with 2019, I guess it was. And uh, I came mm-hmm. to a couple of couple of wild games up there. So it's a, it's a good time to, I mean, it's such an easy trip, you know? So, uh, well, assuming the border's open, <laughs> but yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. and it's, 
In theory. Yeah, like Anna and I plan on on making a trip down. Now, whether see this is the thing. I actually genuinely wonder which is gonna be the harder ticket to buy. Canucks in Seattle or the Kraken in Vancouver. Ah, that's a good and I hate to say it, but I think it'll be harder for us to go and buy the Canucks in yeah, Seattle. Yeah, well, I mean they're they're season it's they're so sold out, right? But I think you're gonna have a pretty big secondary market. I just think things are gonna be really expensive, at least especially for the first year. Like they're gonna be crazy, crazy expensive, I think. That's my yeah. expectation. But see, the problem with the secondary market for us is then we're also playing, paying like a 30% mm. premium on those those tickets, whereas you can come up here and spend your $5 and enjoy lower bowl seats. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> what a deal. I mean, yeah, if you're willing to miss a couple minutes, you could get $5 tickets. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. Hey, and, and save a few more bucks if you hit the Costco across the street from the Raj for their hot dog and pop deal for your, you know, your, your pregame uh, ritual in got to unfortunately um, imbibe in yeah. stadium. Can't get there around that. But uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that it would be good to, to meet up with y'all at some point, whether it's up here or down there, obviously it remains to be seen. Cause there's this whole like, you know, border that apparently doesn't, presume that watching a hockey game is essential travel well, problem unless you're one of the teams playing in which case it's absolutely yes. essential. yeah so anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I we'd definitely be in i think that would be a lot of fun to, to connect up and uh looking forward to the rivalry i think it's going to be a lot of fun and i hope that we can do more of these chats moving forward where we kind of break it down you know when we're playing real hockey against one another and then we can start to dislike each other a little bit but right now i like you guys so that's good well, that's yeah, good. Really appreciate you having me Glad. on. Of course. No, I appreciate you uh, taking us up on the opportunity. And again, shout out to Lisa for for helping make the the connection. I know she she'll be listening to this episode awesome. and uh, has probably been awaiting uh, you to join us. In fact, she's probably one of the few people that understood why our episode did not air earlier this week as it was intended. <laughs> Sorry, everybody, that was on me. The inside scoop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, we, we normally do, um, any final words you want to share with, uh, all of our, our listeners? No, uh, no. well, actually, yes, I was going to say no, but yes, uh, you follow me on Twitter at Darren fun Brown, as we discussed, uh, do check out soundofhockey.com. We've been putting up a lot of new content, um, pretty much every day, I think five or six days a week, we're putting up new stuff. So, um, and, uh, definitely, you know, subscribe to our podcast sound of hockey and, um, we put a lot of work into it and have a lot of fun doing it. So, and I promise we don't just talk about the Kraken. We talk about the league as a whole. So, um, you know, you don't have to just listen to, to Kraken news. We talk about other stuff too, college hockey, junior hockey, all that stuff. So swing on by if you're at all interested, we'd be happy to have you. Cool. And just make sure if you do listen to C4 that you don't stop listening to C4 to listen. Yeah. To well, obviously listen yeah, to we're not trying to steal people from you here. Yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, <laughs> No, if they, I mean, if I, they I, fully I, change allegiances on teams, though, which it sounds like some people are interested in. Oh, getting, yeah, I get that. Know, then not really much you can do about that. But. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> awesome. Well, as uh, Darren said, you can find him at soundhockey.com and on Twitter at Darren Fun Brown. As far as the podcast is concerned, if you've reached this point, you enjoyed what you listened to and you don't yet subscribe, hit that subscribe button. We're in every podcatcher out there. And if we're not in one, let me know and I'll fix that. You can find us online at the C4 podcast on Twitter. And by all means, please join C4 discord. It's where the greatest conversations take place about hockey, food, call of duty, Warzone, and narratives in hockey, which was apparently the hot topic today. Darren, 
does every good Stanley Cup winner need a narrative to drive home, like overcoming adversity or or whatever it is, or can they just win because? Uh, I think there needs there's a narrative that's going to be written no matter what. Maybe the narrative comes later, you know, but there's there's usually a narrative I'd say. Okay. Well, it seems to uh, line up with the the bulk of uh, what many had suggested, but if you want to get in on that conversation, discord.io slash C4 podcast, you'll find it there. And all of this information, if it's too hard to remember, and I imagine it might be this point in the show, c4podcast.com is your source of truth. So Anna, what final words of wisdom do you wish to share to all of our listeners? Well, not to make um, Darren blush, but like seriously, it's such a good podcast. If you're not listening, you should. I started listening as research for when we had John come on, but I stuck with it because it was really fun. And I recommend it to other people who um, wanted a general hockey podcast and didn't have like a team specifically they were going for. So yeah, would recommend. It's really fun. Um Lots of bits and segments and fun stuff like that. Uh, Words of wisdom from me. Uh, Make sure you stay hydrated this weekend. It is going to be hot. I imagine it's going to be hot down uh, your way too, Darren. Yeah, although I'm escaping. I'm going to a bachelor party tomorrow. So um, thankfully I got the food poisoning out of the way first. So I know we're doing things like that now in the U.S. I don't mean to rub that in. I'm really sorry, but... uh, no, I was going to say, what's I travel? I mean, we're, we're allowed to like travel within yeah. Vancouver, but you can't go too far yeah. away. I mean, we felt it, we felt it for it's a fun. long time, but uh, yeah, things have started to open up here. Definitely. Look at our mountains and our beaches and yeah. we'll kind of cheer ourselves up with that. There you go. And melt in our 30 degree Celsius mm-hmm. weather, which is, I don't know, a hundred and some odd freedom points or whatever it is down your way. <laughs> But uh, on behalf of Darren at Darren Fun Brown and at A4603, myself, Chris at Light Force, signing out with those magical words. We out.